Welcome to Immigration Nerds. This podcast is for everyone seeking the details, context, and facts behind the banner headlines on immigration. It's the podcast that gives you the latest on immigration policy and politics and the real world impacts on the people and businesses that make our world turn. If you believe immigration makes us all better, then this is the podcast for you. Brought to you by the nerds at Erickson Immigration Group, guiding clients and their employees through the complex immigration system for over 20 years. Hello, immigration nerds. I'm Lauren Clark, senior attorney at Erickson Immigration Group. I am a fellow nerd, an immigrant, and host of this amazing podcast. On every episode, we're joined by the smartest nerds in the know as we cover trends in business, culture, technology, and politics at the intersection of global immigration. Today, we are going to help prepare you for summer travel. If you're a foreign national planning to travel abroad this summer, make sure you listen to the whole show to make sure you have all the immigration documents and information you need to depart and re-enter the United States. Coming up in just a minute, the Immigration Nerds Summer Travel Packing List. But first, wouldn't you know it, our news nerd-in-chief Rob Taylor has already departed for summer travel. Adam, who do we have waiting in the wings? Well, Lauren, it's our lucky day, and it's the perfect summer travel surprise metaphor that all our nerds out there are hoping for in their own travels. We've been upgraded. Immigration Nerds Podcast is excited to welcome back Alejandro Zapatero. Alex has been featured a number of times in many episodes on this show, and most recently, of course, for her recognition as a lawyer of distinction, Lauren. Amazing. I am so excited to welcome Alex back to the Immigration Nerds Podcast. And this episode also allows us to celebrate Immigrant Heritage Month, Adam. June is Immigrant Heritage Month, and annual celebration recognizing the countless ways immigrants have enriched American society, our economy, and culture. And like this podcast, Lauren, it allows space for immigrants and their allies to share stories demonstrating how immigration benefits everyone. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken released a statement celebrating Immigrant Heritage Month and shared his family's immigrant story. I've got a link to that in our show notes. And I'm reminded, Lauren, that President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden are proud descendants of immigrants from Ireland and Italy. And Vice President Harris was born in Oakland, California, to parents who immigrated from India and Jamaica. And you, my friend, are also on your immigrant journey. And my father, a first-generation American, his parents came here in 1930s, Lauren. So I just feel like it's perfect for our show to be able to celebrate this event and share it with everybody listening. Indeed, Adam. And we can also include Alex in that group. That's exactly right. Alejandra Zapatero is a partner at Erickson Immigration Group, and she is a first-generation Peruvian-American. Immigration has always been essential to America, and during Immigrant Heritage Month, we get a chance to reflect on the strength and spirit that have been passed down through families and infused in our nation. Immigrant Heritage Month, Adam, is a great time to learn more about the history of America's diverse and vast immigrant communities. Absolutely. And I hope everybody listening will check out the links in our show notes. There are some amazing profiles and resources that take you back to the genesis of Immigrant Heritage Month, now celebrating its 10th year. I definitely know that us immigration nerds out there are doing our part, Adam. 
But with that, it's time to take a Nerds News Joyride with Alex Zapatero. Hey, Lauren. Hey, Alex. That's Ericsson Immigration Group's partner, Alejandro Zapatero, everyone. But to her friends, Alex. Alex, there are a number of important updates that we need to cover today. Yes. So let's start with USCIS released policy guidance on the eligibility criteria for initial and renewal applications for employment authorization documents in compelling circumstances. The non-exhaustive list of situations that could lead to a finding of compelling circumstance include serious illness and disability, employer dispute or retaliation, other substantial harm to the applicant, or significant disruption to the employer. In addition, on June 13th, the Department of Homeland Security announced an extension of TPS designations for El Salvador, Honduras, Nepal, and Nicaragua for an additional 18 months. Thanks, Alex. I know that the TPS designation is a hot topic that we are looking to cover on a future Immigration Nerds podcast. However, for something a little bit more immediate, we are having a Ericsson Immigration Nerds special report regarding the compelling circumstances EAD that you just mentioned. So feel free to tune in on Wednesday, June 28th at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Ericsson Immigration Group's LinkedIn page. But also, Alex, I know that there was an additional announcement from USAS, particularly regarding the expansion of premium processing. Yes. Happily, USCIS has expanded premium processing for certain I-539 applications, including those who are seeking a change of status to F1, F2, M1, M2, J1, and J2. Finally, the biggest news piece is that the July Visa Bulletin has been released. EB1 for Worldwide remains current. EB2 for Worldwide also remains unchanged, but EB3 has retrogressed by four months. All final action dates for China remain unchanged. For India, EB1 and EB2 remain unchanged, but notably, EB3 retrogresses by three and a half years. That's a substantial retrogression for that EB3 category for India. And I know that we've talked about the Visa Bulletin in previous episodes as it's released every month, but I think this might be a great opportunity to just really explain what the Visa Bulletin is or what it means for our immigration nerds listening. The analogy that I always like to use for clients is that think of the Visa Bulletin like you're attending the DMV. And so when you attend the DMV, you get your ticket and you have to wait for your ticket number to be called before you can approach the counter to handle your DMV visits. The analogy to the visa bulletin is that individuals are given what's called a priority date or their ticket, and they must wait for their priority date to become current before they can proceed through the green card process. So this substantial retrogression is going from the front of the queue and being pushed to the back of the queue. That's right, Lauren. Unlike the DMV, where you typically only move forward in line, the visa bulletin can actually cause you to be retrogressed. In other words, pushed to the backs of the line. And unlike the DMV, where you move at sort of a steady pace forward, the years that the retrogression are impacted doesn't actually mean a one-to-one ratio. So because EB3 for India has retrogressed by three and a half years, that doesn't mean the wait time will be exactly three and a half years more. It could be more or less. The advancement of the visa bulletin is a little bit unpredictable and sometimes in a way that appears erratic. That's definitely why we keep it in our news nerd update. Thanks for that. Alex, I know there is also a number of exciting EIG news updates. That's right. Erickson Immigration Group has been named one of the Washington Post's 2023 
top workplaces in the Washington, D.C. area. This is huge news for EIG, and I could not be more proud of us and our team. Selection is based solely on employee feedback gathered through an anonymous third-party survey administered by research partner Energage, which measured several aspects of workplace culture, including alignment, execution, and connection. Cue the well-deserved applause. Yes. In addition, we have two more upcoming events to talk about. So I'll be speaking at the Sarah Mount Multicultural Women's National Conference held in Chicago on June 22nd. My session is titled Multicultural Story Talks. Incredible women leaders share their powerful stories of personal and career success, resilience, risk-taking, and transformation with visually compelling imagery. My partner, Heba Anver, is presenting for the Global Mobility U.S. Immigration GMJ Workshop on June 22nd. Heba will provide a current U.S. immigration update and answer questions from the GMJ HR and mobility members. Those sound like incredible events and definitely well represented by EIG, by yourself and by Hiba. But now for a conversation about summer travel. We are heading into the summer months. And with that, this year is also the first summer since the COVID public health emergency expired in the United States on May 11th. And with the end of COVID-19 travel restrictions, large volumes of travelers and increased demands on consulate officials are predicted. So how best to prepare for summer travel as a foreign national? Alex, I think before we even consider processes like visa stamping, customs and entry to the United States, let's start with our most important travel document, the passport. What is the biggest consideration for non-immigrant travelers and passport validity when returning to the United States? The number one thing to remember is that their passport should be valid for at least six months beyond their intended entry date to the U.S. And also within their passport, non-immigrant travelers require a valid and unexpired visa stamp for re-entry to the United States. Can you provide guidance on how best to prepare for a visa stamping appointment should travelers not have a valid and unexpired visa stamp? Well, certainly, aside from consulting with an immigration attorney, Folks should familiarize themselves with the visa appointment wait times at their local embassy. They should review the process for paying the visa fee, obtaining an interview appointment online, or if they might qualify for a waiver of the interview requirement. They should review the specific supporting documents required by the embassy for their particular visa category. Finally, they should review the method for their passport delivery following a successful visa application. And we definitely know that U.S. consulates were impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. Have they returned to pre-COVID processing volumes and times? While the embassies are no longer closed or operating in a limited or emergency capacity, there are still significant backlogs impacting processing volumes and times in many locations. And so that's two points of, I guess, the time frame that non-immigrant travelers really need to take stock of before even departing the U.S. A, whether or not they're going to require their passport to be renewed so they have that six-month validity. And then second of all, potential processing times at U.S. consulates. I think a third kind of information or timeline that they need to take stock of is a process called administrative processing. What we're seeing is an increase in visa applications being placed in administrative processing. I guess for our listeners out there, Alex, can you explain what administrative processing is and whether this process should be factored into summer travel plans? Sure. Well, administrative processing refers to the embassy placing an application on hold, 
either they will require additional information in order to adjudicate, or they need additional time to perform their own research to approve the application. So all of this to say, think of administrative processing similar to a request for evidence from USCIS. It's a pause on the application, which will delay the normal processing. So when considering whether administrative processing should be factored into someone's summer travel plans, I would say yes. It would make sense to have flexible travel tickets, to have refundable change fees, just because it's impossible to predict whether a visa application will be processed within the normal timeline, placed in administrative processing, or any other delay that could occur. And that's a really good point to call out here, because especially with administrative processing, there's no set time frame. It could be a matter of weeks, but it also could be a matter of months. That's right. And the embassy doesn't always let you know how long administrative processing can be. They typically offer you a confirmation number, which you can log into a website and check on the status of your application. But there's no way necessarily to expedite administrative processing. So let's say we've been able to complete our visa stamping and we're returning to the U.S. We have to present to Custom and Border Protection, or CBP, for admittance to the United States. What documents do we need to ensure are in our carry-on? So for folks on a work visa, they should be carrying their passport valid for at least six months beyond their entry date, like I mentioned at the top, a valid unexpired visa stamp, and evidence of their continued employment. Evidence of continued employment means things like pay stubs or an employment verification letter. And so I know, Alex, that there are some non-immigrant travelers who have what's called an advanced parole. Should they or can they travel pursuant to their advanced parole document if they don't have a valid and unexpired visa stamp? Yes. Despite its name, advanced parole has nothing to do with the jail or prison system and is instead an alternative travel document. So advanced parole absolutely can be utilized in place of visa stamps if you qualify. And lastly, I think it's important to call out that non-immigrant travelers need to ensure that they review and verify their I-94 validity dates. Why is this an important post-travel step? So this is important in order to ensure that one's entry was captured correctly by the CBP system. Most importantly, you should check for the correct visa category as well as the expiration date listed on your I-94 record. There's a process to request correction of your I-94 record if necessary, but you should be checking this after you've entered the U.S. To make sure that we have our packing list complete, we A, need to ensure that our documents have the correct validity and are going to be unexpired upon our return to the United States. We secondly need to ensure that we have sufficient time for any visa stamping should it be required whilst we're outside of the United States. And lastly, or thirdly, we need to ensure that we are verifying our I-94 validity dates once we have returned to the United States. You got it. That's right. Alex, it was an absolute pleasure having you back on the Immigration Nerds podcast, and we look forward to having you again soon. Thanks so much for having me. And thank you to all you nerds out there listening. You can track everything going on at Ericsson Immigration Group on our website, eiglaw.com. And remember... If you believe immigration makes us all better, then this is the podcast for you. Subscribe and share. And meet us right back here for another new episode of Immigration Nerds.